0: I'm Harry Bridge. I'm Scott Mitchell. And this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We are coming to you from the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for June 8th, 2018. And today we're talking about no self again.
1: Uh, Again, we're talking about (laughs) no self, but uh, today probably more about uh, the issue of continuity. Um, But we wanted to come back to it because we uh, one of our more recent episodes was on no self, uh, and ideas about, uh, identity. And, um, apparently it was a wildly popular, uh, topic. Uh, we got more hits on that one than we have in a long time. So, Hey, we're back and people are paying attention to us. We should be careful about what we say, I think, <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, you know, just shout out to people who uh, were linking to us and thanks. And, um, so you wanted to talk more about no self. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's obviously lots of we could talk about. And um, one of the big issues that we want to talk about is the idea of continuity. Yep. Um, I think this is probably, well, I won't say that, but I think it's probably, it's, it's, I was going to say it's probably one of the reasons that the whole no self issue comes up in Buddhism is, is precisely because of, of the continuity of, mm-hmm. and this is actually a listener question that somebody sent us about, you know, past lives and Mm. if you get reincarnated and there's no self, what gets reincarnated? That's, that's the sort of big thing. But the continuity issue is not just uh, continuity between lives. It's actually continuity between moment to moment. Mm -hmm. How am I the same person now that I was, you know, 10 years ago or even 10 minutes ago? Mm -hmm. Um, what's the continuity between, um, moment to moment? Is there continuity and there isn't, well, there is no stuff. Everything's empty and you don't exist. Go. (laughs) Um, Which I think we covered last time, but. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of. I think
0: that this issue of no self and continuity is one of the driving forces of Buddhism historically. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, there's a great book by Paul Griffiths. Um, not buddhahood embodied is the one before that um and once again i can't remember the title (laughs) off the top of my head but we'll put it in the description um but he looks at um, the different he looks at the issue and apparently the issue was based on uh a kind of meditation practice um and uh the kind of cessation of consciousness right so it's an extremely deep Meditation in, in early Buddhism, and that the goal is to have this kind of cessation of consciousness. Um, what does that mean? It means, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. It's like a You state. don't know, do you? <laughs> well.
1: <laughs> I mean, you say a cessation of consciousness,
0: and I'm going to be a little snarky and say mm-hmm. that it just sounds like being asleep. Nope, because you're in meditation. You're not sleeping. No, but sleeping has consciousness, too dreams and everything right but um
1: just making sure that you know keeping you honest over there's a
0: classic story (laughs) and i'm not sure if it's india or china where um they're they're meditating and one of the monks enters into a state like this i don't know if it's supposed to be the exact same one but there's a fire at the monastery so everyone leaves and then they realize wait he's still in there meditating so they're all worried because the place burns to the ground and then they find him sitting there and he comes out and he didn't know what happened and yet he's safe so it's kind of interesting, right? It's like there's um you're not Well, maybe that's it. You're not bound to karmic stuff that's going on. you you get out of the stream. You're not, you're not generating with this cessation, you're not I don't think you're generating karma, right? Which is part of the escape from samsara, right? And um and that, you know, this deep meditation allowed him to Go so deep that he didn't even know what was going on around him, which you would think is that a good thing? (laughs) But it also has this kind of mystical side of yeah yeah, Because he was protected during this fire that anyone else would have been burned up and yet for him. He's safe Right, so there's mystical powers associated with it. Um, But the issue is how do you come out of it? If the karmic chain is stopped, how does it start again in the future? How can you come out of that state and it was apparently a big issue for meditators and buddhists at this time and so that's where the Sarvastivadin doctrine of all things exist all dharmas exist in the past present and future comes from Uh, we hear about it when you study buddhism and emptiness and um but and you're like why would you come up with something like that (laughs) well because of this because how can you have things stop How can you have consciousness stop and then start up again? The chain has been cut. How does it come up? So, oh, well, the consciousness um, afterwards, that exists in the future. It's there waiting. (laughs) So that when you get to that point, you'll come back and no problem. They're trying to problematize it and figure out how can this be happening? Because it's happening, uh, allegedly, right? People are entering this state and then waking up. Not that they were sleeping, but coming out of it, right? So that doctrine of of all things exist in the past, present, and future is related to this, this issue of consciousness and the cessation and this continuity, um, which, of course, drives Madhyamaka and an aspect of Mahayana and the kind of, what do you mean all things exist? No self, impermanence, no, all things are empty, right? And I think that that part, part of the development of Madhyamaka is reacting to some of the mainstream ideas that we're developing, um, around the same time, um, I think maybe another area where it's like, which might be more related to the idea of, um, continuity and personal responsibility. And yeah, if there's no self, wh- what, what do I have to be responsible for? There's no, there's nothing for karma to attach to. Mm-hmm. But wait a second, but you're still supposed to be doing good and not doing evil and acting in certain ways. But if there's no thing for it to attach to, what's going on? So Pudgalavadin's come up with this idea of the Pudgala, the person. And it's not a self. It's like a lower level self that... Is kind of a self. <laughs> it's like a pseudo self, right? <laughs> so that's another thing that Mahayana reacts to, I think, and Ramajamaika sure. is reacting to. Um, these, these, and but it's it's related to these ideas of continuity um, in context of this doctrine of no self. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, just to clarify, it sounds mostly like we're concerned about the continuity. It's uh, karma is a big mm-hmm. issue, right? It's it's not. In it, some ways, it's the continuity of the self, but it's also the continuity of karma. Mm-hmm that karma has to be attached to something for lack of a better way of phrasing right. that. Or, and if yeah. there's no self and there's no, no thing for karma to, to attach to you and That's therefore right. it doesn't, it, it's, it, I mean, in some ways it's almost like the no self c- problem, um, can result in this sort of extreme nihilism, right? Yeah. Of like nothing exists. There's no consequences right. to our behavior. Um, and yet, it's very clear that the Buddha has created this, or not created, but has has disclosed, so to speak, this particular path toward a particular end that relies on the existence of things like karma, mm-hmm. um, the reality of things like karma. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how does was the mechanics of that almost? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, the Buddhologists are like, oh, there's this little consistent, <laughs> not like person thing, but it's a person that you have. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why your karma is. Yeah. But
0: another answer is yogacara,, yeah. which is a reaction to Majamaka, or I see it that way. And Majamaka goes too far in the other direction. It's like, there's no self, yeah, there's no nothing. There's not even the four noble Truths. There's not even the Eightfold Path. There's no Buddha, there's no Bodhisattva, there's no beings and just denying everything as part of a path to awakening, mm-hmm. right? Um, And so Yogacara really, to me, tries it swings the pendulum back and brings back a lot of stuff, like the kind of Abhidharma stuff of analyzing dharmas. Mm -hmm. But with a basic Magyamaka understanding too. There is an emptiness understanding, but they're like, we don't have to throw it away. We can have the emptiness understanding and yet also analyze consciousness, analyze reality. Why do we have to throw it all away and just dwell in emptiness all the time? Um, so, so that's part of yogachara And another part of yogachara is the storehouse consciousness.
1: of the storehouse consciousness.
0: And that's re, re, that's <laughs> also a reaction to this issue of how can we come out of a state of no consciousness. It's really interesting. It's like it all comes together. On um, uh, Being Mindless, that's the name of the book. Paul Griffiths. It's a really interesting book. I have issues with Unbeing Paul Griffiths. On Being Griffith. Mindless? On Being Mindless. You have issues with Paul Griffith? Mm-hmm. What? Um, to be like, well, it's kind of it relates like borrow money from me to pay it back. Yeah. It relates to last we last times episode yeah. of academic study, and Paul Griffiths, I believe, is is a Christian, like self identified Christian scholar studying Buddhism, mm-hmm. and I just find these little things here and there where it just kind of snarky comments where he's like putting down Buddhism. So he's, like, studying it on an extremely high level and reading Sanskrit texts and everything. And yet he makes these um, comments of kind of jabbing at Buddhism. Um, like And so on being mindless, that like, holding up that this is the point of Buddhism, to be mindless, to be dumb. He uses the word dumb. The Buddha is dumb. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, just one little sentence in there, but it, it got me. In in, in um, um, uh, the other book on um, Buddhahood, Um and, and yeah, and so that's what he sees, though, that, you know, this cessation of consciousness as the ultimate goal means you're just supposed to sit there like a lump. Right. And also, though, I don't we don't need to go into it too much. But but um, so the storehouse consciousness as another answer that the seeds are planted. No, I think
1: we should go back to being there like a lump. I could see some value in that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just really tired. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you want to be. <laughs> Sitting
1: on my couch. <laughs> So, I'm sorry. Go back to the, the storehouse consciousness. Uh,
0: let's, let's well, uh, you know. This idea that seeds are planted yeah. and um, come to fruition at some point later. Sure. I, I think it's
1: worth, though, unpacking a bit about consciousness more generally mm-hmm. when we get to the storehouse consciousness because that's mm-hmm. one of eight. <laughs> um, and understanding the relationship of those consciousnesses, um, I think, is actually... Important, not just in terms of this conversation about no self and the continuity of karma, but just in terms of the Yogacara way of of looking at our, of who we of you know if we are of like how our our minds work mm-hmm. is, is worth sort of
0: thinking about. Do you know the eight consciousnesses? It's basically the six sense organ consciousnesses mm-hmm. and the manas, this kind of subconscious, and then the storehouse consciousness,
1: right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> But I think it's important because the, the six uh, sense consciousnesses arise in the interaction between the sense object and the sense organ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right. So I think that's important because it, it, it points to the reality of the physical world, right Like our consciousness is is in, is in relationship to something else. Mm-hmm. right? It's not that there is nothing. And it's all blank and whatever, that extreme nihilism that there's, there's an actual physical world, and, and your touch, consciousness emerges in the interaction between
0: your physical body touching something else, which I think is worth is interesting, uh, except then you flip that with consciousness only. <laughs> Which is also Yogacara, right? Which is, so that's really, inre- yeah. that's a really interesting way to put it. Yeah. Because the way it's normally put is that Yogacara says there's nothing but consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I personally, am, I think I'm kind of with you where it's this interaction with a right. world around us, yeah, and, and yet I, also an acknowledgement that we don't see it as it is, Yeah, that our consciousness is flawed right. most and that's of the time.
1: Of the, and that's in large part because of the seventh consciousness, which is the manas, which is not just a subconscious, but is in part where a sense of um, individual, separate, disc- discrete self emerges, mm-hmm. that the manas basically takes all of this information in and says, oh, I exist and I am separate from the rest mm-hmm. of the world, mm-hmm. um, which when that is unexamined, the monas then, what does the monas do? It creates karma. Stupid monas. <laughs>
0: And also the storehouse Seriously, consciousness. right? <laughs> that these seeds are always ripening too. Yeah. And so I see something and I don't like see it from this objective viewpoint of seeing it as it is and objectively and being like, now how should I feel about this? I see something and I immediately react based on my storehouse consciousness mm-hmm. and the manas and these habits, reflex habits that are just have been going on for eons. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and, th- and then mistakenly perceive it. And then hate it or love it and want it, but can't have it. And all those Buddhist things start happening, yes, <laughs> and yeah. anger and desire. And, which right? then creates more karma, which right. goes into your right. and it just keeps consciousness.
1: Going going. And I, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. It's, like, yeah. it's a way of problematizing what we think about with basic Buddhism a lot. Mm-hmm. But it really is kind of a form of analysis. Yeah. And the great thing, too, is karma isn't just like one dot affecting the next dot, affecting the next dot, affecting the next dot. There's at least six dots. Are things we see, mm-hmm. things we touch, things we smell, things we hear, right? Um, that and, it's and actually things
1: we think. I mean, that's the, mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. sixth consciousness. The right. sixth it's not consciousness. just five sense
0: organs; it's six sense organs,
1: and that's the mind. And yeah. that's what has always fascinated me about Buddhism. It's not you know the sixth sense like ESP, but it's just it's your emotions and your your thinking and mm-hmm. your memory. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is is part of that consciousness, which is to me just really
0: neat because mm-hmm. I'm a nerd mm-hmm. who geeks out on this stuff. And Star Trek. <laughs> so, oh, one thing neat about the sense organs, I heard that like when you um, uh, the, the the ritual of wine drinking um, is to engage the senses, hmm. and so you um, look at it, swirl it around, smell it, right? Uh, you um, swish it around in your mouth. It's the body. So it's the
1: you mean actually drinking wine, not like a Buddhist ritual? No, 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 like wine tasting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wine tasting. Yeah, yeah Okay. <laughs> right, so you see it, you smell it, you, you taste it. Mm-hmm. You swish it around, though, is the body, the feel, mm-hmm. right? Um, and clinking the glass is the ears. Hmm. Isn't that kind of neat? That is neat. Um, so I, I think sense organs is a really um, fruitful avenue of of examination just as a person Mm -hmm. right and to realize that i take my sense organs for granted um, and to to begin to kind of think about it and problematize it and try to be more aware of how i'm acting interacting with the world around me through my sense organs that's the only way i know anything is through my sense organs Mm -hmm. and if we don't engage that then we're living our lives with no awareness at all Mm -hmm. right so um so that's one thing i love about Yogacara is that it doesn't just say no, it's all empty. There's no self. It's like, no, there's all kinds of self Deluded <laughs> self. Sure, but it sure seems it's got a hold on me. Mm-hmm. I can't just cast it off um, Now part of the I kind personally I think that Shinran is Kind of a yoga not in the sense of practice but in the sense of having an awareness of this kind of analysis but then the question is, so then what do you do? And I think Yogacara, one aspect of Yogacara, is the transformation of the consciousness and trying to realize, oh yeah, my consciousness is diluted, so I want to transform it so that I can see it as Buddha consciousness. And if I could transform my consciousness that it became Buddha consciousness, then I would be like, whoa, empty, yeah. But they don't understand that. I also understand that beings don't have this empty oneness awareness and that they need to act within karma, within the world of samsara. Um, so yeah, I think Yogacara is fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's so but it's so multilayered. I think that's what's complex. Buddha body theory is Yogacara too. Um, oh, and t- I think don't that, even be started on that. Right? And then <laughs> I think that Pure Land is it seems like Pure Land and Yogacara are intimately connected actually. Sure. Um, yeah, and yeah. Um, maybe that's part of that what Majamika tried to throw away the Buddhas. And it tried to throw away this idea of c- cosmic, dharmic, salvific wisdom beings. <laughs> and then Yogachara brings them back. It's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. We can work with this. This is good. <laughs> right? um, we can work with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because Madhyamika said, don't, because you're deluded. You're deluding yourself. Throw it away. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's that aspect of Buddhism that is pretty famous, I think, and popular maybe even. Um, so people that don't even know anything about buddhism will say yeah the buddha said if you see the buddha on the road kill him you know it's like well yeah that's a profound statement but it doesn't make the, sense out the, of context and the buddha didn't say that wait somebody said it. <laughs> probably some zen master right Chan yeah. master it's a koan right so yeah. it's out of the yeah so it's it's but um back to no self um, oh right no self that's what we're talking right about. yeah <laughs> um no self is another one of those that I think is really kind of popular mm-hmm. and somewhat famous if you get into the study of Buddhism. Um, but it's not a universal answer to everything. Not all yeah. Buddhists will use that as the main answer, the main response to any question or any issue. Um, you know, it'll come up. Like I was talking to a group group a week or two ago about um, birth in the pure land and the Ron, and how it talks about entering the pure land and then returning from the pure land and someone came up to me and afterwards was like but you didn't talk about well who goes to the pure land And i was like because that didn't, to me it didn't really matter it's like yeah that's from a point of in like for someone that can deal with that and maybe can somehow awaken from hearing about no self great but if you can't are you out of luck or is there another way and I think Pure Land is a way, a Buddhist path, that doesn't have no self as one of the main things. Um, it doesn't need it. It's for people that are incapable of awakening to no self. Right? If, if no self, if a requiring awareness and understanding of no self is a requirement of the path, then most people are out of luck and they've been, um, rest, they've been um, restricted and aren't um, able to participate in Buddhism. Um, and so to me, really, that's one of my issues with no-self is that it might be a way in some kinds of Buddhism, maybe some kinds of Buddhism, yeah, realizing this, awakening to it, is part of your path. But that's not for all Buddhism. Uh, I think Shinran couldn't do it. He's a monk for 20 years, and whether he was doing no-self kind of practices or not, I don't know. Um, but it that wasn't the viable path for him. Um, so to me, Shinshu... There's little hints in Tanluan. It's easy to go to the pure, the larger sutra, it's easy to go to the pure land, but no one is there. Um <laughs> right. And Tanluan problematizes it to a certain extent, um because he's coming out of Majamaka kind of background. Um but it's 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 not a path for where where that's a requirement, where that's necessary. Um it's actually a path for people where that's impossible. <laughs> Um, so to me, that's part of, um, actually Dennis Hirota at a talk, Professor Hirota at um, one of our Fuken summer seminars talked about Shinran and, uh, he, I, I don't know where he got it, but he feels like Shinran maybe tried to see himself. But if you can see yourself, what's doing the seeing? I mean, this is kind of part of it in a way. That's maybe you could see it from a no self. But from another perspective is how can I get behind the thing that is doing the seeing? Mm. How can I get past that? You can say, oh, it doesn't exist, but that doesn't get you. Where, what does that get you in reality? So you try to back up who watches the watcher, right? What's, what's that voice in my head that says, oh, you're so stupid or you're so whatever, right? What's that voice? Where is it? Can I get behind that and see that voice and tell it to shut up? And if I've done that, but what just told it to shut up? Where's that voice? i got to get behind that. It's like an infinite regress. How do you do that? Is that possible just by intellectual means, by logical means, um, to, to really do it? Cut off all karma and realize there's no karma, no self, no beings, no Buddha. Um, it's, it's, it, it's an incredible path if you can do it, but... Um, my impression was that was kind of... Hiroto Sensei was saying Shinran couldn't do it, mm-hmm. and he had to find another way, right? And that that's part of the Pure Land way. Um, and that's what I like about Shinran is that, you know, a lot of times, I'm being an IBS student, I remember hearing um, Buddhism is non-dualistic, just flat out. Mm-hmm. On one level, yeah, it can be non-dualistic, but on another level, samsara and nirvana. There is a distinction between... Yeah. This world and un- the world of unenlightenment or unawakening, mm-hmm. and the world of awakening. Um, and again, that's where Mahayana radically collapses it. No, they're the same thing. <laughs> Just got to see it with different eyes. But can I? How do you enact that transformation? Yeah. Is, is that transformation part of your practice, um, or is the, the Shinshu to me is kind of different? And yeah. I think Shinran really acknowledges that I'm not awakened. Right. I am not Buddha. Buddha is other from Buddha's perspective yeah it's all one it's it's all empty but I'm not seeing things from that perspective Mm -hmm. and that's one thing I like about Shinran that I I think is really profound in a way it seems simplistic in a way maybe but I think it's actually really important of acknowledging yeah I am not seeing things from the enlightened viewpoint so whenever someone says well what gets reincarnated what you know what's born in the pure land it's like who cares that's (laughs) not part of the way in Shinshu, I think.